Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. As leaders, unless you're able to create an environment where people want to work and want to thrive, uh, people aren't going to stay. So you need to find a way to have a leadership style that's uplifting, that's motivating, that's exciting, that brings out the best in people, because that's the only way to get and keep the people you need to succeed. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Welcome. How's it going? How is your day going? Thank you for joining me. This is episode number 104, and my guest today is Michael Denham. He's the president and CEO of BDC. Canada's only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Michael leads a team of 2,200 people across Canada who work every day to help entrepreneurs succeed by providing the guidance and financial support they need to build resilient, growing businesses. He is a seasoned business leader with over 30 years of senior management experience, holding roles at McKinsey, Bombardier, Accenture, and Aquaterra before joining BDC. In today's episode, we discuss the challenges that Canadian companies have when it comes to scaling up and becoming a meaningful, global, export-oriented business. He shares the important things to consider when making a senior-level appointment so you don't get it wrong. And Michael talks about why it's more important to focus on purpose and not profit when you're leading to make a change. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they're calling in. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Thank you to those who have left a rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. I really, really appreciate you. This latest one is from Anne1234. And they write really engaging conversations with business leaders about challenges. But I also like how we get to know their personal side as well. We all belong to some family unit and these leaders are no different. Thank you Anne1234. Really appreciate the time that you took to leave a comment. And if you do rate and leave a review, I will read it out on the next episode. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Michael. Edwin, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. But Michael, why don't we start off by maybe introducing yourself to our listeners today. Tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're not not growing and leading businesses. Sure, and I'm glad you. Um, uh, let, let's start that way. And uh, again, thanks for again for inviting me to uh, to the podcast. I think what you do here is very. Um, um, I've listened to the very interesting, very instructive for others. So I'm I'm glad to be part of it. So thanks. So look, by way of introduction, I'm a born and bred uh, Torontonian. Moved to Montreal uh, back in 2001. And um, my work experience, I guess my formative years were at McKinsey in Toronto, a management consulting firm from uh, 1987 through, I'm dating myself a bit, through 2001. And then since then, I've been in Montreal. I worked at Bombardier, 
um, uh, in the early 2000s, uh, had a long stretch at Accenture, where I was the president of Accenture's business in Canada. And then I started at BDC, the Business Development Bank of Canada, uh, about four years ago. And when I'm not working, um, what I um, uh, like to do, I've got three boys, um, two now, believe it or not, in university, uh, one in grade uh, grade 10 in high school. Um, uh, so I love to spend time with them. Uh, quite active, uh, still play hockey a couple times a week. Um, I try to uh, progress my golf game, but that's proving difficult. And it's so <laughs> quite active uh, in sporting. And I'm also active in the community. So I was the um, chairman of the kids' um, school for a number of years. I'm on the um, one of the foundation boards for larger hospitals in Montreal, and um, I try to find ways to uh, to give back as well. Oh, that's amazing! And we could uh, we could definitely dig deep into like even how you balance this amazing amazing life in, in the community. But uh, why don't we start off your present work here, your job, and maybe if you could introduce what uh, BDC is for the listeners who may not have heard of it or, or not sitting here in Canada like you and I, um, tell us your role and perhaps if you can, some of the key challenges that you are currently looking to accomplish right now. Yep. So I will start, um, because even a lot of Canadians, um, sadly for me, don't know enough about BDC. So I'll start there. Um, so BDC is the Business Development Bank of Canada. We've been around for about 75 years. And uh, we're what's called a crown corporation. So we have one shareholder, and that's the government of Canada. But we have uh, our own board, and we function uh, at arm's length. So we'll, we, we kind of m make our own decisions. And um, But what's important to note is that we are a, um, uh, I guess, an agent of policy and that we have a mandate. And that mandate is to help uh, small businesses and entrepreneurship in Canada. So we're the only financial institution in Canada that focuses exclusively on entrepreneurs. And that's really what we've been focused on for the 75 years of our existence. So I'm the CEO. And as you heard, Edwin, as I shared with you in my background, I came to BDC from a uh, private sector background. So I've mm -hmm. been in the private sector, gosh, since the late, uh, the late 80s. But what's interesting is uh, I didn't quite know what to expect when I started, but the BDC, for me, that as my whole whole life in the private sector, uh, the BDC looks and feels and functions like a private sector entity uh, in terms of just the, the focus, the work ethic, the discipline, et cetera. But we're, we're united at the BDC in the sense of our overarching purpose, uh, which isn't to make money. Our overarching purpose is to support entrepreneurs. So we lend to entrepreneurs. We have about a $30 billion lending business. Um, we invest in entrepreneurs. We're actually Canada's, um, this is a little known fact, uh, we're Canada's largest venture capital investor. And we have a fairly vibrant um, consulting practice as well. So we provide advisory services to uh, entrepreneurs as well. So we have 60,000 clients in the country. Uh, they range from very small um, two, three-person uh, entities to, uh, to much larger companies. And um, again, our role is really twofold. Uh, one is to make sure that we uh, are present to provide uh, access to um, uh, financing um, and advice for our clients. And especially historically, it had been difficult for small Canadian businesses to get uh, accessing to the financing they needed for all sorts of reasons. So our role is to provide that financing. And as the market changes and as, as fintechs emerge and as banks evolve, uh, we need to evolve. But um, again, our first purpose is to make sure that we um, are there to provide the, uh, the, accessing, uh, the access to financing that our clients need. 
And we do this on a um, level, Edwin, where we kind of price for risk. So we're, again, we're not fundamentally driven by um, uh, profitability, uh, but we need to be profitable. And we try to price our lending um, consistent with the rest the risk that we see. And then the second thing we do kind of in parallel is to make sure that we're acting on what we see to be important policy type issues for the country. So right now, there are a number of, of things that are very important to um, make uh, our um, SMEs or small, medium-sized enterprises more competitive. Uh, one is inclusion. So we have a lot of efforts underway to um, provide uh, more support, more accessibility to women entrepreneurs, uh, to indigenous entrepreneurs, uh, to young entrepreneurs. The second uh, area policy that's important is um, this whole question of scaling up. And if you look at the facts, Canada has become relatively good at helping companies start up, but we haven't really, um, if you kind of look at the facts again, we don't have enough companies that have succeeded in scaling up and becoming meaningful global export-oriented businesses. So the number of things that we do to, to support that path from starting up to scaling up. And then the last area we're focused is to make sure that we are injecting the capital needed to, to keep the innovative sectors, the most innovative sectors of the economy uh, like the, the the venture capital ecosystem, uh, kind of well financed, and I'll come back to this if you want. But um, again, it's been very, there's been very good progress over the past number of years in Canada uh, in venture capital, with record levels of investments, uh, record levels of, um, of financings, uh, record levels of fundraising, uh, and that's a third area where, uh, again, it's a policy set of reasons for us to be active. I mean, thank you for sharing. Definitely. Some important work you're doing and the work that I've been associated with Startup Canada, um, being a director there and helping that organization as it launched. So I, I do really, really passionate being an entrepreneur as well, really the stuff that you're doing and really helping. Uh, two things that I, I, I do really want to maybe not dig down, just touch upon, um, because I definitely want to get into some of your <laughs> leadership journeys. Um, but I want to know from your point of view, that little fact of being the largest VC, I didn't know. <laughs> but where do you see the challenges for Canadian companies? Why are we not scaling up at the scale that we think we should be at now? So the um, it's a good question. It's one that we, um, Edwin, are constantly uh, asking ourselves. And just by way of backdrop, uh, you may wonder, why is it that a crown corporation is Canada's most uh, active venture capital investor? Well, if you go back right. a few years, say to the early post the dot-com uh, era to the early 2000s, it, it was a very tough period of time for uh, venture capital in Canada, where a lot of the foreign investors had left. Uh, there weren't many uh, domestic institutions. A lot of the angel investors um, were focusing on uh, recovering from the investments that uh, they had made in the late uh, 1990s. Uh, yet it's clear for uh, all Canadians that it's important for us to have, as a country, a vibrant uh, venture capital uh, ecosystem. Uh, so as a result of that, a decision was made for BDC to play an active role uh, as a large institution to uh, provide a bit of an anchor to the ecosystem back in the uh, mid-2000s. And uh, what's happened over the years is that um, we've played that role, I say modestly, quite well. Um, the institutions mm -hmm. have come back. And uh, again, literally in 2008, in terms of the uh, amount of investments made, the amount of financing raised, I think it was the best year going back to uh, uh, the year 2000 or so. 
So I think the industry now overall is in a um, much better spot than it was. I think some of the, the public sector initiatives beyond us have been very well received. Uh, but the challenge around scaling up is um, not just limited to uh, companies that are venture capital backed. Um, but what, what we see is that as companies grow, they need access to um, more equity to support their growth. And uh, the IPO markets in Canada uh, aren't as uh, fertile as they used to be. And a lot of the uh, venture capital funds are relatively small. And Canada doesn't have many what are called crossover funds, which are funds that invest in VC, but can continue to invest in companies as they become um, uh, kind of bigger and have larger financing requirements. So what happens is that a lot of companies uh, almost run out of financing options and um, mm -hmm. they're forced to, they don't have great choices and uh, a lot uh, are in a position where they have to uh, basically get bought at a point in time where um, they would have the option of continuing to grow had they access to other sources of financing. So uh, we don't have enough IPOs. Um, we don't have enough um, uh, companies that are able to um, access the 25, 50, $100 million investments. And as a result, we find there's too many companies that um, are forced to basically sell themselves ahead of time uh, because they can't access uh, uh, alternative ways to grow. I mean, and definitely going to move on to the next topic um, um, just because I'm, I'm really invested in the tech community as well. But it's not necessarily bad per se that maybe if we are as an ecosystem that we understand that we can't get that extra financing, but an exit strategy to be acquired it isn't as terrible as it sounds. But yes, these are Canadian companies that could have grown, right? Like those, that's where the the sort of gap is, right? Right, and and you know, it's um, and, and who am I to uh, challenge or question the motivations of um, any entrepreneur? And for those entrepreneurs whose goal it is and who feel successful in um, selling their businesses uh, at a certain point in time. That's great. But what I'm focused on are those entrepreneurs in Canada that really want to build large, successful, globally meaningful, export-oriented companies that, that struggle because they can't get the financing to do that. Those are the companies that, 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 that we're focused on to make sure that the um, ecosystem kind of gets adapted so that they have access to what they need to achieve their ambition, which is to become, uh, again, uh, kind of meaningful in a global sense. Yeah, I get it. No. So I just wanted to change a little gears and... You really quickly touched upon it on your introduction, Michael, in terms of your career. It spanned from you know consulting, being in the private sector to working with Bombardier. Um, so you worked in a number of roles. I'm wondering if you, when you look back now at your career, and obviously you, you still have many years in a career, um, can you? I'd love it if you could share with our listeners today maybe a specific uh, decision, really a difficult decision that you had to make that eventually allowed you to grow as a business leader you are today um there there are two and i'll just i'll be i'll be brief on this one because i know you have um uh edwin you've got a fertile mind so we lots of topics we'll go through uh, <laughs> the first is um uh which i think anybody uh who has been um in business for a while probably has an example or two of um and that's um with respect to talent and basically trying to find a, the decision to replace uh, a leader with another leader. And uh, I think for every 10 times uh, we do something like that, hopefully we're successful in at least seven or eight of the cases. But there was one case, one situation where I had the responsibility of doing this and um, I totally botched it. 
And uh, once you've made a poor decision and you've you've decided on a, a leader who just isn't right for the job, it takes a while to undo that decision. And uh, you can just see the, um, the, the negative effects of that decision on a business. So uh, I've learned uh, really the hard way uh, about the importance of being very thoughtful, being very patient, uh, being very diligent uh, when it comes to uh, making a senior level appointment because you get it right, it's huge for everybody, but you get it wrong and it's, um, it's a big, uh, it, it becomes a big problem. And then the second thing that um, I learned that relates to a decision is that certainly when I was working in consulting, you spend a lot of your time focused on the um, uh, income statement and income statement levers. You kind of cut costs, you grow revenues, you improve margins, what have you. And a lot of business people, sales and marketing folks, uh, what have you, spend time on that part of the business. But certainly when I joined Bombardier back in 2001, um, the situation was really, it was a balance sheet situation, not an income situation. What I've learned from that is having a fundamental understanding of uh, the balance sheets, um, the what they imply in terms of, of capacity for growth, et cetera, is such an important place to start with respect to any business because it really informs and in some cases can constrain the levers you want to pull to um, uh, kind of grow and improve your margins on the income statement side of things. So it's a pretty obvious point. And certainly as I get into my current job and I look at venture capital companies and the the, the way they're financed, which is relatively skinny, uh, it's all about the balance sheet and finding a way to to optimize what you do in terms of business growth, et cetera, given the uh, access to dry powder you have in the balance sheet. So again, it led to some, some not so much decisions, Edwin, but a lot of um, uh, incredibly accelerated learning I, on my part once I understood how important it is to get grounded in the degrees of freedom one has with respect to one's balance sheet. I mean, that, those are two amazing aspects. As a business leader, understanding hiring or culture and really understanding the numbers, right? And and you would argue that they're almost the same thing, but they're, they're, they complement each other, right? When, when, when you're sitting there making these type of decisions, right? Oh, that's right. Exactly. If you're enjoying this conversation with Michael Denham and have any comments, questions that relate to something that we said, I would love to hear from you. Join me on my Facebook group where I discuss this episode. I share daily insights, answer questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for The Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. I'd love to see you there. Now let's get back to it. And really interested, as you mentioned, you know, doing social media campaigns, doing brand change management. I'd love to get your thoughts and maybe insights on, on how you get an organization to really embrace technology now and, and, and digital disruption. That's such a relevant question, and especially for a company, uh, an entity like BDC, where we're surrounded by all sorts of incredibly innovative and exciting and interesting fintechs, financial technology companies that are offering, that are kind of digital first companies that are offering uh, new services, fast services, different services to our clients. And we celebrate all this because the more options our entrepreneurs have, uh, the better it is for them. And that's what we're all about. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we adapt to stay as relevant as possible for the clients we want to serve. So 
technology is core to that, uh, as is digital disruption. So there are a couple of things we've done, Evan, that I'll share with you because they may be relevant for um, folks listening. Um, mm-hmm. The first uh, around embracing technology and digital disruption, uh, and the first thing is leadership. And you need people who have kind of been there and done that in terms of uh, embracing technology and digital. The fact that I came from uh, Accenture, which is a technology firm for seven years, helped. Um, we have a new CIO, who chief information officer, who had spent um, uh, kind of years um, uh, in the industry and uh, most recently was an active uh, angel investor in venture capital. So we had leadership that, that, that kind of got it and uh, knew what had to be done. And then we've made some investments that are actually, it may not strike you as that kind of cutting edge, but in the world of, of lending to small business are quite cutting edge. So we, our sales uh, folks now can go to clients' uh, sites, uh, client location, and uh, authorize a loan on their iPad up to $500,000. And mm-hmm. um, that's something that's pretty, um, uh, at least for now, pretty um, pioneering. Uh, we have an online lending platform. So Edwin, if you want a loan, you can um, go through bdc.ca, go to the right place of the website, and literally in a few minutes, um, I'm assuming your credit's good, you can uh, get, a, get, a, get a loan from us. Uh, we have all these new apps we've deployed. But the key thing is you make all these investments in technology. If your team's not using them, it's not money well spent. So we've done a lot of uh, internal um, celebration. We use Yammer as an internal uh, communication channel where we quite we, celebrate, we tell stories, we celebrate, uh, we pat ourselves on the back, we recognize folks who are taking full advantage of the technology. So it's become a cool thing to do. And even for kind of old folks like me, it's, we've all uh, embarked on the journey because we see how good it is for our clients. Uh, we see how um, kind of challenging it's fun it's been for our colleagues. And then all the kind of hype and celebration to encourage usage now has to the point where of the, the six apps we've introduced internally, including this authorization app, uh, we've got utilization levels um, kind of nearing 90%, uh, which is huge because it means these tools are connecting to our clients. Wow. That's amazing. And and those are big initiatives that were implemented recently to to not only improve the brand but also access right to the target market, right? Exactly. Exactly. In the in the in the old days, I guess, you would um uh, the only way to interface with us was really through an account manager. So if you were sitting in Timmins, Ontario or Grand Falls, Newfoundland or um Iqaluit, for example, we don't have people visiting these towns very often. Whereas now you just open up your open up your computer, go to bdc.ca, and uh, again, uh, automatically, uh, electronically, um, you can get a loan authorized, and you can access all the tools and articles and um, um, information that we have available to help entrepreneurs improve their business. Well, I mean, that's that's amazing. That's super exciting, and, and we'll be sure, Michael, to share the links to to a lot of those platforms on this episode website for those who are listening and really just interested or maybe hearing about it for the first time, just to check it out for sure. Yep, terrific, Michael. I'd love it if we could discuss maybe the importance of purpose within an organization and how do you think is the best way to get a company to align on purpose. You know, Ed, we're um, this notion is so important. And uh, we're kind of um, fortunate in the sense that uh, we we exist because of purpose. We 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 exist to support 
entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized business in Canada. So we're fundamentally a purpose-driven organization. And we talk about our accomplishments when we uh, issue press releases uh, to describe our year-end. Uh, only at the telltale end of that uh, will you see what our uh, kind of net income and ROE are. Uh, what we tend to highlight is the impact we have, uh, the number of clients we have the privilege of working with, um, the new initiatives we've done to help our clients become better in what they do. Um, so our whole our whole uh, orientation is purpose driven, and the purpose is to help um, help SMEs. So um, we didn't need to create one; we were born with one. Uh, but I must say, mm-hmm. as a leader, it is um, such an effective way to kind of create and corral corral energy. So anytime. Edwin, over the past couple of years, we've decided to introduce something something new and something significant. Uh, what I've learned, if you can establish a very clear, intuitive link to how that initiative is going to help us serve our clients better or how that initiative is going to help uh, make our clients better, um, people embrace it literally in no time. So it's kind of easy for us in the sense that we're purpose-driven from the get-go. But I think for any person listening, they should think about purpose, which is quite different to profitability. And if they, can, if, they, if, they're, if they can find the right purpose that defines their business, I guarantee you, it'll be a whole lot easier to lead and make change. Because if you link those changes to the purpose, people just get it instantly and we'll, um, we'll kind of sign up for more. And that's been our experience here. And I almost imagine having a purpose um, also allows you to bring on leaders or team members to join the organization, know, uh, knowing the culture and the purpose, right? Uh, well, I think that's our big uh, that's our big draw. I think if you just want to um, work with clients and um, kind of do loans, do lending for small business, uh, kind of full stop, um, you're probably not going to uh, end up at BDC. But if you want to, mm-hmm. if your starting point is, uh, I want to find a way to kind of contribute to the competitiveness of the Canadian economy, um, help uh, individual entrepreneurs become more successful. If that's what motivates you, uh, you'd probably be very happy here. That's awesome. Michael, I'm always curious to understand what, you know, highly successful or driven executives, um, you know, what they do to continually grow or retool themselves as a business leader. Can you share anything that you're currently doing or some tips that help you continually grow and learn? I, um, what I, I guess there are two things, Edwin, that, that, that work for me, but um, you've probably got um, uh, additional perspective and have heard better ideas. Uh, the first thing that I do is I'm always, I try to learn from my colleagues because so much of being a leader is to uh, excite people, motivate people, convince people, empower people so that they end up um, kind of acting and leading in a way that uh, advances uh, the organization. And we all have so much to learn in terms of how to become more effective at all those things. So I'm constantly working with my, with my board, um, with my management team colleagues to see if there are things that I can do to become better at describing the directions we should pursue at uh, understanding the motivation of my team so I can help them um, contribute even more. So there's a lot of, um, of just uh, almost influence style um, aspects that one can really only learn through kind of self-awareness and from others where I'm constantly focused. And then secondly, uh, Edwin, there are certain uh, aspects of leadership where I'm just uh, less developed than others. So um, 
one example would be uh, when it comes to uh, which is an important uh, leadership role when it comes to um, kind of representational roles and um, meeting with um, kind of government leaders, kind of public speaking, what have you. Those are things that I hadn't really had much of a chance to stretch or develop before coming here. Uh, and it was an important part of the role. So I was quite explicit in terms of, of managing my time to give myself lots of opportunities to uh, practice and perfect and come better. So that's one example. There are other, other, other examples within the business where um, uh, I knew I needed to become better. And I just uh, got the help I needed and organized my time to focus uh, on those areas as best I could. Amazing. Um, I'm building out an amazing uh, <laughs> to-read list, Michael. I'm wondering if there's any books that you're reading right now. Well, you know, the one over the holidays I read, um, I wouldn't say I'm a voracious reader, but I like to take advantage of holiday time to read. So I read The Fifth Risk by Michael Lewis, which was uh, which was interesting. I've just um, read, um, or I'm reading um, uh, Educated by Tara Westover. And I also um, read a lot. I tend to avoid businessy stuff, but uh, I mm-hmm. read, um, I'm quite interested in the whole B Corp movement. Edwin, we're a, a beneficial corporation movement. We're a B Corp. Uh, we're the first uh, financial institution that's a B Corp in Canada. We like to uh, work with and support B Corps across the country. And these are companies that fundamentally define themselves in terms of purpose and societal benefit. And I find it a very, it's a very interesting model. It's a very interesting framework. Um, we've got lots of clients that are B Corps. Spent a fair amount of time over the holidays just thinking about and reading about um, B Corps and um, what they represent as, uh, I guess, alternative models for um, uh, for corporations. I mean, that's super interesting. I The co-working I work out of here in Toronto is a center of social innovation. So I know it's a number of B Corps. And for those who are listening, it's it, it's it's really special when you find entrepreneurs that are, are driven by this making a better world, right? So do you see um, BDC really looking Maybe not that you're going to make a huge shift, but there's a lot of focus or interest in B Corps now um, and seeing how they, you know, will give back to Canada and the world. Yeah, we, we see a lot of movement. And again, what we're focused on is, um, you know, it's B Corp and we use the term kind of B Corp-ish, which are companies mm-hmm. that basically function and think like B Corps, but haven't gone through the actual certification. Um, right. But we think they're a, um, when you look at millennials, you look at values, you look at um, what these companies stand for. Uh, we think they um, already, but certainly in time, will play a very important role in the fabric of our economy. So we're 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 proud to be one, and um, as one of the higher profile B Corps in the country, we kind of take um, we like to to work with the the others to provide um, leadership and a convening capability and a support capability, so that um, more and more companies become aware of what it means to be B Corp and become B Corps or um, uh, B Corp ish in their nature. Fun question, Michael. If I were to ask any of your team members, colleagues, stakeholders, peers, past or present, what is the best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? Well, what I hope they would say, uh, which I think they would say, is um, because to me, this is the most important leadership quality is self-awareness. Because if you're not if you're not self-aware, uh, you can't really be aware of the impact you're having on others. So um, I hope that my colleagues would see me as being um, self-aware and as a result, able to adapt what I do to be relevant and helpful and appropriate uh, in the right situation. Michael, this is amazing. I, I'm really having a blast, really learning a lot um, 
about yourself and BDC and, and the country as well. But is there anything else going on, uh, whether it's within BDC, your world, any special projects, initiatives, or anything fun that you're you're super excited about? Well, you know what I'm what I'm most excited about at BDC are things where we're kind of pioneering and showing leadership. You know, a lot of people have this image of, you know, sleepy crown corporation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, we're not. And I love the fact that um, there are a number of dimensions where we are um, leading. So and these are the ones that excite me. So for example, for women entrepreneurs, which is a um, huge priority for the country, we announced uh, last year uh, the largest of its kind in the world venture capital fund that invests solely in women-led um, um, companies. Uh, and again, for a small country like Canada, to have the largest fund like this of its kind in the world is a big deal. And it's a pioneering uh, thing that we're doing that uh, uh, I get really excited about. We've committed to double our lending to women entrepreneurs to uh, $1.4 billion. And again, that's a, a tangible commitment that few others have made uh, that again, excites me. The stuff we're doing on technology and getting close to our clients and real-time lending, again, because all of our technology spend, all of our investment, Edwin, goes towards um, uh, how we interface with small business, we can actually bring a lot of heft to how we work with uh, this type of uh, this type of client, whereas for other financial institutions that are that are global, have so many different product lines, etc., it's often hard to even though they're a lot bigger than us to get the same type of heft brought to bear with respect to investments in technology. So I get very excited about um, our um, technology, our speed, our apps, our mobility offers because uh, again, certainly what clients have told me we're seen as quite uh, leading edge in um, how we interface through technology with our clients. So those are a couple of, couple of, couple of examples of things that um, uh, I hope you can tell from my voice I get really excited about because, uh, again, we're leading the way uh, in the country. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, Michael, before we end, I'd love it if you could maybe share some final thoughts, observations, ideally some type of actionable recommendation that you could share with the emerging business leader who is listening today. So I guess three thoughts, Edwin, um, as we close. One is just understand the importance of self-awareness because, again, uh, if, you're not, uh, if you're not self-aware, you're not really connecting to those people around you and people need to be um, thoughtful and uh, understand themselves. Second, uh, I think it is important to understand the, 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 the context of your leadership role. There are some situations which are turnaround situations. There's some situations which are urgent. There are some situations, which is like the one that I walked into, which were um, already, um, it was a strong, high-performing company. So understand the context of your leadership role and lead appropriately. And then the third thing is, um, again, early on, set your goals. Um, Don't kind of back yourself into any corner with the goals, but set your goals. And then do your best to personally kind of rally and excite and motivate people to help you achieve the goals. And I do find that um, um, kind of hope and the upside is a much more effective way to motivate people than um, uh, than fear. And especially these days, you know, Edwin, with um, so many millennials and younger folks in the workplace, I mean, gone are the days where you'll endure a um, um, kind of negative, um, high-stress work environment for years and years and years. So as leaders, unless you're able to, stress isn't bad, but unless it's kind of positive stress and exciting stress and motivating stress, unless you create an environment where people want to work and want to thrive, uh, people aren't going to stay. 
So you need to find a way to have a leadership style that's uplifting, that's motivating, that's exciting, that brings out the best in people, because that's the only way to get and keep the people you need to succeed. That's awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate your time, Michael. To close, if you could share with us where we can find more information about you, BDC, or anything else you'd like to share with us today. Well, you know, what I'd suggest, all I'll say is go to bdc.ca. We get literally uh, millions of visitors uh, every year, and it's all there. Um, uh, Everything about BDC, we've got a vast array of of tools and articles that are directly relevant to entrepreneurs to help um, each entrepreneur improve uh, or grow his or her business. One-stop shop for um, most things one needs to, um, to be a good business leader. So go to bdc.ca and play around, and I think you'll like what you see. Michael, thank you again. Really appreciate it um, for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast today. Thanks to you, Edwin. That's it, business leaders. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 104 with Michael Denham. If you want to learn more about Michael, BDC or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 104. Join me on my Facebook group where I will discuss this episode. I'll answer your questions, connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply go to Facebook and search for the Business Leadership Group. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.